was yellow card with our classic hit ocean avenue what is going on my name is jared grissomer and today we are asking the question what's the vibe that's right what is the vibe is the name of this podcast we're gonna dive deep into some classic genres of music we're gonna talk about the insights the history and then we're gonna get a little insight from other people who have listened to it like my friend anthony who will be joining us today now, let's start with a genre that is very close to my heart. This genre is called pop punk or emo punk, as someone have been called it. It is a merge of your classic pop, you know, the, the Beatles, the Kinks, and then you have punk, just that raw energy that's just so angry but also just so good to listen to. I love it. It's a genre that a lot of people do like. They were really big back in the 1990s as well as the 2000s. That's when the mainstream breakthrough came to be. Uh, pop punk bands such as Green Day, The Queers, That Mr. T Experience, Screeching Weasel all emerged from a record label called Lookout Records with a sound indebted to the Buzzcocks into the Undertones, which is one of the bands, two of the bands that were huge back in the 70s and 80s that really helped form the genre. Now, in 1993, California's Green Day and Bad Religion were both signed to major labels. And by 1994, pop punk was quickly growing in mainstream popularity. Now, this isn't when I was listening to it. This was just the original, you know, godfathers of of the the genre and they really just kind of put this music on the map spin magazine published a story called california screaming which is about the early 1990s underground punk rock scene in california mentioning pop punk bands like screeching weasel and green day they were huge back then this is when green day put out dookie which is one of their all iconic band albums and you should definitely check it out if you've never heard, listen to any of Green Day's older stuff. Uh, eventually, the Berkeley scene in California really took off. Uh, bands like The Offspring really helped revive interest in punk rock and pop punk in the 90s. Funny enough, actually, Dookie sold 4 million copies in its first year. That's insane for what it used to be. Uh, MTV and radio stations such as LA's K-Rock FM played a major role in the genre's mainstream success as well. These were the radio and TV stations that were really broadcasting the music, and it really played such a big part of it all. Another big part of it was the Warp Tour. The Warp Tour is huge. It, well, was huge, back, especially back in the 2000s. Uh, the Warp Tour and the mail, ch- the mall chain, 
hot topic brought punk even further into the United States mainstream. With pop punk's renewed visibility came concerns among some of the punk subcultures that the music was being co-opted by the mainstream. Some pop punk fans criticized Green Day for selling out and rejected their music as too soft, pop-oriented, and not legitimate punk rock. Why say nay to that? I think if anybody loves a band, I think they should love it. And haters gotta hate, and ainers gotta hate. (laughs) Now we get to the second wave of pop punk. In the 1990s and early 2000s, the pop punk band Blink at 182 achieved mainstream success with their album Enema of the State, which came out in June of 1999. This is an incredible album that so many people love, including myself. Blink is just that type of band that really just reaches people, in my opinion. You know, at any given time in the late 90s and early 2000s, it was not uncommon to see Blink-182 and Sum 41 on MTV. This is how much people love them. You could not escape it. Pop Puck was in, and it became the undisputed mainstream choice. You can you watch movies back then, you know, from the 90s and 2000s, and this music is just littered in their soundtracks. Like, you know, American Pie, uh, other, you know, big mainstream, you know, teen movies back then. It was just the music that people wanted to listen to and they were really putting it into the movies. And it was it was great. Uh, Although fans of the genre usually dispute her role in the movement, Avril Lavigne's 2002 album Let Go set a precedent for the success of a female fronted pop punk act now this came with paramore and tonight alive and other bands that really just propelled these women into the the genre and it it was really really helpful uh avril lavigne has been occasionally described as the genre's queen which i do agree with she is she came up with skater boy which is a huge success um and for her part avril lavigne did not feel that her music was pop punk but rather heavy punk rock i mean pop rock punk pop tomato tomato potato potato i mean what what do you what do you expect But along the way, you know, the music started evolving and we got these big bands like Fall Out Boy, My Chemical Romance, Taking Back Sunday, bands that some people still listen to today. And it's just, they're awesome. I I love them. Anthony, who will be on the show a little later, loves them too. And they just, I don't know what it is about them. I, I still remember the first time I ever heard this music, I was maybe 12. I was watching TV and I heard a commercial come on. It was for this thing, this uh, like preteen, older teen Lego set called Bionicle. You, you put them together and you made these cool like superhero guys who had each of their elements. Maybe you remember it, maybe you don't. I don't know. But in the commercial, played this song called Move Along by All American Rejects. And it just it just sang to me. It really did. It just hit me right in the heart. And I was like, wow, this is the music that I want to listen to. 
And so I begged my mom for an iPod, and so she got me one, and I started putting all this great music on there. Green Day, Fall Out Boy, All American Rejects, just bands that really spoke to me, and they really shaped me into the person that I am today. I don't know why this music just stays with me, but it's just something about the rawness and just the the fun lyrics that you can sing along to along with the the guitar that really just just sings and has a has a way of just entering your brain and just staying there i don't know why but with success also comes downward decline in a mainstream popularity we started about let's just see 2010 that's when the music really started to go downhill um you know people grew up that's really what it was people just decided that it wasn't what they wanted to listen to anymore genres really just started becoming a bigger thing like rap edm country and it you know all those pop punk emo kids stopped listening to the music and they moved on to something else it's it's sad to hear it really is because it's such a great genre but then again pop punk isn't dead it's just just a little smaller than it used to be it's it's a smaller scene it's a little more unknown but when you bring up those bands like Fall Out Boy and Yellow Card and All Time Low people are like yeah man I love them I used to listen to them a lot back in middle school and I say well you know you should try and listen to them again they got some really good music I think one of the big things of today's age is nostalgia and that's a good thing for pop punk it it makes people want to listen to that music they listened back in middle school and that's why there's a little bit of a resurgence you see all these bands coming back and doing these big tours like blink 182 they toured last year with day to remember and all american rejects which are bands that aren't as big as they used to be but these big names are helping resurge the scene and i love that and it i'd love to show this music to my kids when i'm older and say yeah this is what dad used to listen to back in the day and you know maybe if my genes work out they'll really like it too and maybe there will be a a resurgence like a huge resurgence of pop punk in the near future where kids will start listening to the music again and, and Warped Tour will come back. But you never know. Life is funny that way. Before we go, I would just like to say our sponsor for today's show, and that is my lunch, Jimmy John's. Freaky fast, but also freaky good. If you're looking for something great on the menu, I suggest the number nine, the Vito. It is delicious. It's got salami, ham, prosciutto. It is out of this world and if you're looking for a side to get the salt and vinegar chips they are so good they they're just like insanely sweet for some reason not insanely sweet but they're they're sweet and they're salty and they 
kettle cook them so they're nice and crunchy and they give you a really good amount too. I highly suggest going to Jimmy John's if you've never tried it before. Well, next up, we have Anthony Romano coming into the studio talking with us about pop punk and his history with it. Stay tuned. Get out the black nail polish and practice your scowl because My Chemical Romance is back. You're not going to want to miss this. Trust me. I'm My Chemical Romance, October 1st, 2021, The Pepsi Center. Get tickets at Ticketmaster now. Sponsored by Monster and Hot Topic. Welcome back to What's the Vibe. Right now in studio, I have Anthony Romano, a pop punk diehard just like myself. How you doing, Anthony? I'm good. Thanks for having me. As soon as you said, hey, do you want to talk about some emo music i was like oh yes i do oh yeah you know emo music is such a big part of who we are it's the music that we listen to for myself it was back in middle school and high school and it was probably high school just for you uh a lot of the bands came out in middle school for me uh i really started getting into it more in high school uh, but as far as most of the bands and albums we're talking about, I was in middle school when when those released. So. Nice. Speaking of, what are some of your favorite bands from pop punk and you know, emo rock? Yeah, so I I mean I love just just the term emo because it's so grand. Like we could be talking about anything here, you know, from pop punk to screamo bands to anything like that. Uh, you know, so. We we've talked about before Fallout Boy. I I think I saw you wearing a yellow card shirt. Yep. One of the first times that that uh, we started school here, so I remember striking up a conversation about that. Uh, but a lot of bands along those same lines, you know, freaking love Paramore. I don't care who Paramore, you are. Yeah. Uh, f- fueled by Ramen. Uh, oh, such a great label. That's a big. Uh, that was a big label for me. I still have a lot of the teaser CDs, like the Christmas samplers. Um, so a lot of a lot of bands, you know, it's it's tough to really name them off the top of my head. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into them and they'll come up through the conversation. Of course, of course. Taking Back Sunday, classic, uh, that, classic. That's a big one. The entire if they play it on Warp Tour, you know, which we'll get into. Oh yeah, <laughs> Warp Tour is the ultimate purveyor of that type of music. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, indeed. Um, so. Everyone, I feel like, has that moment where they just realize this is that type of music for me, and they just really deep dive into the music. Do you have a moment like that where you just said, oh my gosh, I love this, I need to keep listening to it? It's it's more so related to bands specifically than anything overall. You know, Fall Out Boy obviously is one of the bigger known names, and that's that's one that I kind of go back and remember. Like, this is that type of music before I realized, you know, I could put a genre or anything on that. And the origin of that is just because the the girl that I had a crush on in middle school, that was her favorite band, and I'd never heard of them. So I went out <laughs> and I bought From Under the Cork Tree. Oh my! God. And that's how I first started listening to Fall Out Boy. But um, when I was in high school, I was a lot of my really good friends. They they played in you know that kind of style band. They were a little more screamo, mm-hmm. uh, but you know the kind of mix there. 
So hanging out with them all the time, that's when I was really getting into a lot of stuff that I hadn't heard before or, you know, just that I that I hadn't discovered before and didn't think I normally would like. Uh, but just hanging out with them and, and going to the shows with them and them showing me stuff, you know, that, that was huge there. And that continued for four years. <laughs> Most definitely. You know, friends are a huge part of your music influence. I still have... Uh, this band that I love, they're called You, Me, and Everyone We Know, um, that a friend showed me on a road trip once, and I actually ended up getting a tattoo of this album that I love. Yeah. Uh, the album's called Some Things Don't Wash Out. I got it tattooed on my forearm for, number one, irony's sake, number two, because I love this album so much. And, you know, when you find music that your friends love, you just create such a great, good connection that last for such a long time right and especially like in high school uh that's when i started like going to concerts too and so that's when it kind of became it was like oh this random band that i've never heard of yeah let's go see them at the marquee yep. you know which i know you have a a deep connection to as I do. well um so that's when it was just like uh, finally turning into yeah, I never heard this band before. I'll go watch them, and then just you know had a, had a great time. And so a lot of a lot of seeing bands for the first time live uh, is associates a love with me, maybe more so than actually listening to the music. Nice. Who was your favorite? Not your favorite, but who was your first concert that you ever went to? That I, oh man, that I ever went to ever of like this this kind of music or just in general. Well, this type of music. I'm trying to think of what the first one would have been. I know, you know, honestly, it would have been a band like, th like 303. Ah. I forget the name of the band that they played in before, um, but I, I was at 303's first concert ever that they played. Really? Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, it still makes me upset that they're famous, actually. But uh, that's, a, that's another topic. And then uh, Breathe Carolina. Yep. Another band that I was at their first show ever. Wow. And so, you know, these are, are huge bands now. And even more so, you know the local Denver scene here. The smaller venues are just so much better. So seeing bands like Fall Out Boy and Paramore playing from, you know, smaller places like the Ogden, the Gothic, places like that to, you know, Red Rocks oh, yeah. stadium shows, which just aren't as fun anymore. No, they're not. I am I am still very salty to this day. I was supposed to see Blink-182 in a small venue. Mm. It was like a 1,500-cap a, a venue with State Champs, which is a very good pop-punk band that still makes music now if you are interested in this type of music. And they had to cancel the tour because Travis Barker, their drummer, got blood clots in his arms. So they had to get rid of the whole tour. It was just this tiny little mini tour that they were going through Michigan and then up into Canada. They had to cancel it. What what year was that? This was 2018 okay. or 19, something I, like that. I was going to say, I thought it was within the past couple of years because I remember them having that. And just for the record, too... Uh, the Blink-182 with Matt Skiba is totally worth seeing live. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I saw them in Chicago on their first tour uh, at a, their, in an amphitheater right outside of the city. It's very cool. 
Um, Matt Skiba is a much different experience than what Tom DeLong is. You know, a lot of people kind of criticize Tom. I, I saw this article um, about Matt Skiba and how they basically treat him like a tool and they load him in and off of the trailer every yeah. show. I was like, come on, guys. He's he's awesome. No, and and they've made like the California album is awesome. Oh, it's great. Um, I I haven't listened to any of the newer albums that they've put out since then. Check I think out might just be one. You should definitely check out their newest one. It's called Nine. Okay. Or ten or something like that. Yeah. It's a number, but it is like the direct sequel to their self-titled Blink One Eighty Two album. Okay. It's so good. And there's some really good songs. My favorite is called. Um, Pardon my French, it's called On Some Emo Shit, and it's such a good song. It's fitting. Yeah, fitting. it just kind of, it's an it's a really good anthem that just gets you singing in the car while you're listening yeah. to it. And, and you know, Blink-182 is kind of almost like the godfather of, of this. So, you know, I, I knew I would spark the memory once we started talking, but when you talk about what got me into this, now looking back, really, Blink-182 was was that first band uh, that my older sister and my older cousins had, Enema of the State, which is, I want to say, 99 that it came out even. So, Probably. Um, if Blink-182 is the godfather, then I'd say Green Day is the great godfather. They're that band that was really a part of the initial surge back in the 2000s yeah. and 90s that really got the genre on the map. They're actually going on tour. They uh, next summer. It was supposed to be this summer. It's Green Day, Fall Out Boy, and Weezer. And Weezer, right? Yep. It's just, it's just a crazy trifecta of a band. Tickets are insanely expensive, but I mean, if you get a chance to go see all three in one concert, do it. Yeah, that's that's definitely a <laughs> a, a bill that's worth it for nostalgia's sake too. But yep. Um, one thing I do love about the scene, and especially with concerts, is that everybody knows everybody, and they love touring with each other. You know, the times that I've seen Blink-182, they've always toured with bands that I want to see with. They've toured with Panic at the Disco, Fall Out Boy, Matt and Kim, My Chemical Romance, State Champs. It's just all bands that are just so related to them and that people want to see them along with the tour and I love that. Yeah, um oh man, I'm trying to think I'll remember the name of the band in a second here that opened for them. Hardcore screamo band kind of really po- uh Day is in the title. Are you talking about Man Overboard? No, let me look it up real quick and I'll tell you. They opened up for Blink-182. Yeah, and this was when I saw them at the Pepsi Center. At, Literally anybody who likes this music is. I'm gonna get so much hate for forgetting the name of this <laughs> band, but um, it's okay. The you, mind only remembers so much. Yeah, you, you can keep going with whatever All you right. need while I look it up. <laughs> well, we've touched on it a little bit earlier, but one of the biggest parts of the scene was Warp Tour. Everybody looked forward to it every summer back in Michigan when I lived there. Warp Tour, of course, always happened on the hottest day of the year. It was horrible. Oh, it's like they planned that. I know. Mother <laughs> Nature's just like, Warp Tours today? Oh, it's going to be 95 degrees. And, and you were uh, watching it in Michigan, I imagine, too. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't matter what city you're in. They, It, it was never, never comfortable. <laughs> oh, my God. I... One thing I really loved about Warp Tour is just stumbling on bands that you didn't really know about. I remember the first 
band that I saw Warp Tour was this band called Icy Stars. They're very screamo, but mm-hmm. I just saw the crowd and I got so excited and I just jumped right in and just wanted to be a part of the music because Warp Tour is more than just like a it's not even a festival. It's just like a it's like a block party for pop punk and ska and screamo and just all these other, you know, obscure rock genres that aren't part of the mainstream norm and I I I loved it. And yes, it may have been hot, but you know, I was still moshing hardest as I could in the middle of the crowd. There was never a specific genre, even though obviously, you know, what it was geared towards, but there was always just so many different styles of acts there. And maybe there might just be like a reggae band there and they were the only one, but they were there, you know? Yep. Um, and then as, as time went on, un- unfortunately with all uh, musical acts, I believe, you know, you either die a hero or live long <laughs> enough to see yourself become <laughs> a villain. Um, but some of those later tours, you know, we'd, I would see big headlining bands that I used to love, like uh, Some 41. Yep, I saw them on yeah, that Warped Tour. Yeah, would still be going on. But the amount of bands that I've seen there that I haven't seen outside of uh, on another venue besides Warped Tour is just incredible because you would always get to see them. But, I mean, the list just goes on and on. Some 41, uh, saw Hello Goodbye there. Um, Goldfinger. Yep. Uh, Did you ever listen to Mayday Parade? Oh yeah, I love Mayday. Mayday, yeah, I saw awesome. I saw them there. <laughs> yeah, Mayday, I saw, and then um, Mayday Parade used to have two singers, and then one of them left the band and formed this other band called Go Radio, which is a very good band. Um, they have this incredible cover of "Rolling in the Deep" by Adele, which is awesome. Um, another thing I'd like to touch on with the music is the covers that they love doing the the punk ghost pop albums yeah was such a huge deal like when it came out it was like christmas and it's they took these you know basic songs you know that were poppy or even just i there was a a mumford and son song that somebody took and transformed it into this hard rock you know just anthem and it was so good it was by this australian band called tonight alive and i got to see them at warp tour unfortunately they didn't do that cover but it was still really cool to see them live and you hear that one song and you're like man i gotta get in this band and it happens a friend that i used to work with he would always have those albums on to this day i still can't get the uh Sleeping with Sirens, CeeLo Green cover out yeah. of my head. Like, like, I'll just randomly think of it. I'll just wake up in the middle of the night because he would just play that on repeat. And I was just like, dude, just like play the other songs. But the uh, Punko's acoustic mm-hmm. sets were really, really good also. Yeah, Rise Against had one of my favorites. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it was, it was really chill and just somber. And I loved it. And... I don't even know who the original artist was, but it was such a good song that it, it still lives on my iPod. Yeah, when they they uh, they have a few of those that they would show out too. But real real quick question for you because I'm always interested in this with people who like this kind of music. Of course, best Blink One Eighty Two spinoff band. Oh, or, or favorite or your favorite. Oh artist. boy, see, um, I mean, there's plus forty four. There's, gosh, what was. Mark had one. 
There was Boxcar Racer. Boxcar Racer. Angels and Airwaves, obviously. It's Angels and Airwaves. I, it? <laughs> it's it's Angels and Airwaves. It really is. I I love them. They were they were a saving grace during the time without Blink One Eighty Two music. And it also it brings me back to high school because there's this song yeah. called um, "Rite of Spring" that me and my friends would always listen to when we would have like our own music parties down in my friend's basement on Friday and Saturday nights, and it was it just brings back memories, and it's right. it's it was you can definitely tell when Tom came back to the band after their hiatus that Angel, Angels and Airwaves was a huge influencer on Blink-182, and it kind of makes sense that he just wanted to leave because Mark and Travis, they kind of wanted to still do the harder rock while Tom wanted to do more of this synthy type of rock. Which and, you can see already starting in that self-titled album. You know? Yeah, yeah. And people love Angels and Airwaves. When they came to Denver just last year, the the show sold out. Mm. It was originally actually supposed to be at the Summit, which was the venue that I worked at. But then it sold out so quickly that they moved it to the Fillmore to open up space, right. which makes sense. But I was very sad because I really wanted to work that show because I love Tom DeLong. Oh, yeah. That, that would have been great just to get all the venue perks. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, it's crazy some of the just projects that people love doing. Have you seen Tom? He's actually going to direct a movie next year. Uh, is, is this the one? I'm sure it's involving aliens in some way. Or it, no? <laughs> it's, I guess it's a fictional story. It is about aliens because Tom DeLonge loves aliens. He does. They're his bread and butter. He is dedicated to showing the world that aliens are real. They are actually – he got – called out by CNN a couple months ago about found footage that he had and they said that the government was covering it up and all that kind of stuff conspiracy stuff you know yeah it's yeah he's an interesting guy <laughs> he is he is a very interesting guy but it's really cool to see these artists also having these cool side projects like uh, Gerard Wade he loves comics he wrote The Umbrella Academy which is a Netflix series now he did some Doom Patrol which is also a series on HBO Max uh, he did a lot of writing and I think that's so cool to see artists branching out even um, did you ever listen to 30 Seconds to Mars uh, I I live for 30 Seconds to Mars <laughs> Jared Leto huge actor and also just an amazing singer. Yeah. He has – his band has one of my favorite covers um, of a U2 song called The Streets Have No Name. He did it at a uh, – it was a MTV Unplugged session, and it's just haunting. I don't think – you can find it on YouTube probably. I don't think you can find it on any streaming services anymore because it ran out of, you know – time or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you're you're right. That's a tough one to find. I I don't think it's on Spotify or in, any of the other streaming services. I I still buy CDs. Um you you might know that from one of the previous podcasts that I've made. Nice. Uh I'm probably the only person that is mad that they don't sell them anymore. <laughs> Maybe there's some more out there, but I mean all the bands that we're talking about, I I got all those those discs and they're they're not going anywhere. So I actually hate streaming services, but I'm sounding kind of like get off my lawn now. So of course, <laughs> see I am um, going even farther back. I collect 
records. Okay, there you so go. So I collect vinyl records, and I have some of the classic albums like Blink, My Chemical Romance, Fall Out Boy, Panic of the Disco, Yellow Card, all those bands. I have them in vinyl form, and I, and it just it's so much fun to collect them, and especially because a lot of these bands are creating uh, colored vinyl instead of just your classic mm-hmm. black, and it's just fun to collect them and and see what you're getting. Yeah, I wanted to. I, I thought about getting into that, but I literally just like don't have room even for a, a vinyl record player. I still have the big five disc CD changer stereo nice. uh, that's still kicking. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'll run that until the ground here. But is there is there a specific concert that you have or or that you like that? I don't necessarily want to say favorite, but that sticks out more to you because we all have them. Um. <laughs> Foo Fighters, the first time I ever saw them. Not exactly pop punk or emo, but Foo Fighters was life changing. Yes, (laughs) we were. We skipped school halfway through uh, to go get in line at the Palace, which is the old stadium, which is now demolished back in Detroit. Is that the Auburn Hills? Yep, Auburn Hills. Uh, And we got in line, and we were had floor tickets, and this was back when floor tickets were actually relatively cheap i mean it was mm-hmm. i think 60 bucks per ticket which is i mean nowadays you're getting 200 dollars yeah, for four kill, tickets i would kill the pay uh yep. 60 bucks to see a band <laughs> oh my gosh yeah it was uh it was rise against opening up for them too and i we were right on the rail it, it was it was shaped the whole entire stage had like a runway going down the middle of it and we were right along that runway that went into the crowd and i got to high five dave Grohl, and it was awesome oh man yeah that was uh that was a legendary concert they played 23 songs and got to see some of the classics i've actually seen foo fighters recently and i'll say it's not as fun anymore it's dad rock. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. But, uh, I mean, especially bands like that, like, they're just so, so big that, like, the smallest venue that they can play in is, like, an NBA stadium. Yep. You know? And it's just, like, those places have the worst acoustics, first off. And the crowds, you know, you're getting all those people who can afford those tickets, and mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of older people. And granted, Foo Fighters is, you know, a, a 90s band. Right. They, were established right after the end of Nirvana and it's expected to have an older crowd but at the same time when we were there we were up in the ble- up in the I guess the lower tier of the bleachers and the crowd was just it was just boring everybody was just standing around I even looked into the pit and everybody was just standing there watching and it yeah. was no dancing, no mosh pits, and it was just kind of sad. That's why, you know, some of, some of these old bands that you forget they're still around or that you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that song. It's still great to see when they do tour because they will go to uh, places, smaller venues. Like uh, the last time I saw Yellow Card was at Summit. And nice. um, I, I, saw them, I saw them on their very last tour, their retirement one, and then the time before that when they did the whole – Ocean Avenue album oh, acoustic, yeah. which was amazing. Nice. Um, but that's you know they're just bands that they're like oh yeah I remember they were popular but if you don't follow them you're just like are they still around? Yep. And then you know inside our hearts we're just like yes they're still around. <laughs> Listen to them. <laughs> yeah. Another thing 
I wanted to touch on that you talked about earlier was seeing smaller bands that are now huge now. Mm -hmm. That happened with me with 21 Pilots. They opened up for Fall Out Boy on a tour, and now they're huge and headlining their own arena tours. And I also saw Walk the Moon um, back when they were super small, and they opened up for a band called Young the Giant. At a, at a relatively small theater, but it's still so cool to see these bands just evolve over the years, and eventually you can hear all their music on, like, a Top 40 station, which is crazy. It kind of makes you a little sad because it's on a Top 40 station, and people are going to say, oh, I've heard that song way too much. Shut up and dance. I cite right now right and and then and then that's when you you don't want to say anything because you start looking like the you know the hipster almost when you're like oh yeah i remember when i saw them before they were popular yep. and and then now you're just like you don't keep up with them as much anymore yep <laughs> portugal the man is a big part of that too they were a band that i really listened to and then they came out with uh feel it still which was a huge top 40 song and people are sick of that and I encourage people to look at music more from them or any band that had like a top 40 because you never know that that one song might not be their total style. They could have other songs that are just completely different but also very good. And everybody has radio hits. I mean, you have to have one Yep. either way if you're going to be popular, but... Yeah, uh, you know, I, I showed you my playlist here, my my Finley titled Pop Punk's Not Dead uh, playlist. Because it's not. <laughs> it lives in me and, that's and my, Anthony. And that's my mantra. Uh, so, um, But, yeah, just, just like scrolling down here, you know, uh, My Chemical Romance. I know you were supposed to go see them before this COVID business happened. Yep. But it's just like even now – you just kind of make references. Uh, I mean, I, I still do with my friends when we see something like we'll see an old picture when they have, you know, like the the emo hair or the piercings or anything like that. And then you just always need to go to like, oh, yeah, was this before the My Chemical Romance concert? You know, and it's just if you're if you you're in this scene and you love it, like that's just funny. And you know what I'm talking about. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Break out the black nail polish and practice yeah. your scowl. And, it, and it's fun to go back and look at that because, I mean, we were all probably terrible angsty teens. At oh, one yeah, point. most definitely. And so it's so fun to look at back and be like, man, I was an idiot. But now it's, <laughs> you know, it's just like I still listen to the music because I love it. And it was fun it's as hell. such a big part of uh, life. So I still am an angsty teenager. I'm 27 <laughs> and I still rage against the machine. Deep down. <laughs> And then in the last few, uh, probably like five years or so here, when a lot of these bands were coming back out on the road and everything again, I would make my my friend go with me. Like, I would just buy him a ticket because nobody else would go. So I'm like, dude, just come with me and have fun. And he's like, all right. So, like, we went to, like, Good Charlotte, uh, Newfound Glory. um, Yellow Card was in that span there, too, before they broke up. Sum 41. Mm -hmm. And then he was just like, man... This was amazing. He's like, he remembers the big hits, of course, you know, but he was just like, I did not think that this was going to be that fun. I thought they would just be old and washed up, you know, (laughs) but they still rock. I would love to see Sum 41 live again. I've only seen them at a Warp Tour show, and it was fun, but when you get those super popular bands at Warp Tour, I call it the gelatin effect, Mm. where all of the people just get so 
scrunched together that it just creates like this gelatin effect that people just like wiggle around and just if one person moves everybody else moves and that's what i had to run into when i saw them so i'm hoping that one day when live music is back i get the chance to see them that was the last time that i saw them by themselves was at the ogden over here uh might have been the gothic actually anyway i've never been in a venue i've been to sold out venues there before i've never been in one that had so many people that were so close together like, I don't know if they oversold or what it was, but it was just so good to see for <laughs> for that band, you know, and just like the uh, ovation that they got. It was incredible. Hot, hottest concert I've ever been to in nice. Paris, though. I'm looking through everything else I got here. So much good music, really. <laughs> Everybody, I feel like most people had their on pop punk days whether it lasted for like a year or two years just because it was so big back Mm -hmm. in the early 2000s that it was impossible to not listen to that music well yeah and like you look at mainly what was going on in like popular popular is obviously we're in the 2000s out of the 90s so it was pretty much like that or the kind of hip-hop that was like 50 Cent Ludacris, mm-hmm. like that kind of style hip hop. So it's like, that's all they, they played at like school dances, you know? <laughs> Limp Biscuit. But yeah, little, <laughs> little rock rap is, uh, yep. is is good for the soul too. But, true, very um, true. Like Gym Class Heroes, that was a big Gym band. Class yeah. And even I kind of looped them into this kind of oh, definitely. genre, even though, or, or mindset. Mm hmm. Some people do, some people don't, but 100% they are for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was always a, kind of a loop in because uh, Travi McCoy was huge friends with uh, Patrick Stomp and Brendan Urie, who mm-hmm. were the front men for Fall Out Boy and Panic of the Disco. And like I said, they all knew each other, and they all wanted to help each other create great music. I'm pretty sure Patrick Stump, I don't know if he discovered them or like helped them get signed or whatever. But, I mean, he was always on all the albums and always, like, uh, had a bunch of production it, credits. It was probably sure. Pete Wentz. I know he had his own um, record label because he's actually the one who discovered Panic! at the Disco. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I do remember that from back in the day. Fun fact about Panic! at the Disco. They were actually a Blink-182 cover band originally. I believe I have heard that as well. I was never huge into them after that that first album but even so i don't know there was always just something i just gravitated i mean i listened to them but Mm -hmm. i just gravitated towards other bands more than no it's fair you can't love Um, everybody but what's funny is my best friend that i just mentioned to you that i was telling about who is like always just kind of knows some of these songs he absolutely loves panic at the disco like that's the one for some reason for him that i'm just like really and he's like yeah man don't knock them I'm just like, now they're great. I, is they have a great singer. <laughs> he's amazing, and they have really transitioned into a much more different sound than what they originally are. But they're still a really, really fun band. Honestly, they're not even really a band anymore. It's kind it's of just ca- him and who's just playing with him. him. Yeah, he yeah. just does his own thing, and he works with producers. Like he worked with this EDM producer called um, named Dylan Francis, and. He makes good music still. I'll admit it. It's it's very poppy, um, but that, it's still very soulful. Did a Taylor Swift duet? 
Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's become bigger than the band. Yeah, <laughs> he, band he is. I, I think I have a vinyl from him that literally the inside of the cover says, uh, Brendan Urie presents Panic at the Disco. Yeah. Because it's just him at this point. Yeah, there's it was no a, originals left there, no, I don't believe. It was him and the drummer for a long time, and then the drummer left, and now it's just him, but I'm not complaining. Yeah. Does it does it make you sad with some of those bands when you do kind of see them break apart a little bit? And then obviously there's usually just one personality. A little bit. The lead singer. A little bit, but as long as they're not, you know, totally selling themselves out or sometimes people just don't want to be a part of music anymore. They just don't like the sound that they're getting from the band anymore and they just want to leave. And, you know, that's fine. And it's It's understandable. I wish Fall Out Boy would have cued in on that because they transitioned horribly, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's the problem is you understand with everyone, like, once you're around long enough, like, you have to do something different as a band. Like, how could you f- function, just keep going with the same thing, but then it just turns into something that's... You lose your way. ...not what brought you into them, you mm-hmm. know? And so that's... That's the double-edged sword with a lot of these bands that are still out there and still going. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure you have a great playlist similar to mine that you have to send me. But just going through this, you know, Taking Back Sunday, AFI. Um, I even threw some Bowling for Soup in here. Classic. So. <laughs> that was a great band that I saw um, Warp one year. And then, you know, the one-hit wonders, Check Yes, Juliet. Oh, we, yeah. We the Kings. We the Kings. We the Kings. Don't sleep on We the Kings. They got some good I, stuff I in there, too. I love that album. It's so great. That's the only song that anybody knows, though, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, big All-American Rejects. Oh, fan. yeah. They're, <laughs> they are the band that got me into this music. Okay, there you go. Uh, also, another band that my, my unnamed crush um, loved that I started listening to to impress her. So. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, I believe we have covered all the bases in terms of pop punk and emo rock. Thank you for listening to What's the Vibe, and thank you for Anthony for being on the show today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Tune in next week where we'll be checking out another genre. I'm Jared Grissomer, and next week we're going to find the vibe again.